Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Thank you again for being here this morning. A few minutes ago, you heard uh, Pastor Nathan share an announcement with you uh, in regard to our summer weekend, July 5, 6, and 7, and we are so excited about that. Um, it's, um, it's the biggest weekend at the lake uh, for guests and, and, a, and a crowd, so we're trying to intensify as much as we can the traffic problems for that weekend. We have scheduled New Song to be with us uh, in the field down here on Friday night, July the 5th. And then following the New Song concert is legit fireworks over the pond. And so you're going to be able to uh, park in that vicinity. As you know, when you're going to have 4,000 people, there's going to be interesting parking. But we're working with the county and the county's being very helpful with us on that. So that's Friday night, July the 5th. There are fireworks at Parkway Marina another night and the weekend before somewhere else, but some reason somebody didn't take the Friday night, so we took the Friday night firework event, and uh, we're going to have a concert with New Song and fireworks Friday night, July the 5th, Then on the next morning we're doing some uh, uh, sort of a fundraiser for the school, we're going to do a 5K and then a 5K obstacle course on the land. We have a team of people working on that. It's going to be a great weekend. Sunday morning is going to be Friend Day here at Eastlake. I want you to invite all your unchurched, unbelieving friends, family, neighbors, and coworkers. Um, we're not sure yet. We're trying to decide if we're going to do three or four services here or if we're going to try to do something more uh, uh, accommodating on the land. We're just not exactly sure yet, but we will be letting you know. So it's going to be a great, great weekend. And then uh, we're looking forward to about... 10 months away to moving into a brand new facility. Amen. So, Lord willing, it is official that we have outgrown this place. And uh, uh, that's a good good thing, uh, good problem to have. It's a blessing to have all of you this morning. And many of you have your family, I can see, and, and your friends and your mothers and wives, sisters. I'm blessed today to have my mother and my mother-in-law in the service this morning, and of course, my beautiful and blessed wife who is here, uh, without whom I would be nothing. And uh, she is uh, the, uh, the great joy and blessing of my life. I also have a sister here and a daughter in the other, a couple daughters in the previous service and a sister-in-law and uh, Nora, who is like my mother, kind of, in a, in a family member way. Uh, so many, so blessed to have so many wonderful, godly women in my life. I have five sisters, so I was never in doubt as to what I should be doing at all times. <laughs> uh, they, were, they were on top of it. Um, it's hard to preach on Mother's Day um, just because I've never been one. And my prospects aren't looking too good. Now, with the craziness of our world, my chances are going up. (laughs) I mean, nothing surprises me anymore, right? I might be a six-foot-five Chinese woman before the service is over. You never know. I I might just change into that. Who knows? But um, uh, I've decided today to borrow the sermon from another, from a lady. I got the same response in the other services, so don't feel awkward. Uh, I'm borrowing the sermon of a lady 
who may have preached this sermon standing at the foot of the bed of her son. It's possible that her son was the king and at the fourth hour following a night of drinking and partying and bad decisions, his mother comes into his room and speaks these words. Proverbs 31, the most overused Mother's Day scripture of all time. I don't know if they have, I'm sure they don't have statistics on this, but I'm guessing for those of you who've preached or pastored that Proverbs 31 is right up there with the most used scripture on Mother's Day. In, in Proverbs 31, we have the words of a lady speaking to her son. Have you ever been in a situation where you just really needed your mother or you needed a lady? Anybody ever been in a situation where you just needed a lady? All you single guys, raise your hand. <laughs> you needed your mother. My kids have been in that situation. Many times my wife left them with me, and they were in desperate need of their mother. Several years ago, when our oldest son, our youngest son, who is here today, I believe some, there he is, right back there, he's 19, he was just a few weeks old, and uh, my wife had planned to go to a pastor's wives conference, that meant our three other children were like four, seven, and nine, or four, six, and eight, or in that range, and... Uh, I was plan- it was planned for me to keep the kids, and she was going to take the baby because she had his food supply. If you don't know what that means, Google it. <laughs> so on Friday, she was going to leave and be gone for the weekend, and earlier that week, somebody in our church passed away. And so that meant on Friday night, I had a viewing, and on Saturday morning, I had to perform a funeral service about 20, 30 minutes away. So that's no problem. I'm a, I'm a, I can do laundry. I can do, I can do it all, I thought. So we wake up on Saturday morning. It's time to go to the funeral to perform this ceremony. And I realize I have two beautiful daughters, about six and eight years of age, who, whose hair is like Rapunzel. <laughs> and... Uh, there's a, there was a saying, I think it actually had its root, literally had its roots in this, at this instance in our home. But for the rest of our kids' lives, they had this saying, Dad can fix anything except our hair. <laughs> and I remember that, the perplexity of that Saturday morning, our daughters having long, thick, blonde and brown hair, sitting on the steps, trying to m- manipulate that hair into something that looked decent. I knew that it was a funeral, you should dress up. I had gotten both of their Easter dresses out from the previous year. It was November, but they looked great. They had these beautiful, frilly dresses. I was sitting on the steps, twisting, trying to, trying to make, and I'm adept to some degree with my hands, but it was awful. They were in tears. I wanted to be in tears. I conglomerated it the best that I could. 
and they were, they were a mess. They wanted their mother. It was so bad. They, did, they described it like this. Dad, we've got chickens in our hair. <laughs> you know what that means? It's like when you pull it back and something sprouts. And uh, it was so bad that they begged me not to make them go into the funeral. They had a beautiful Easter dress and a bad hairdo. I was able to work it out with a funeral director, and he put them in a room somewhere that was quiet and isolated, and they colored and looked at books. I don't know. They might have been back there playing with dead bodies, for all I know. <laughs> but he put them in a nice, quiet place. And they did not have to show their faces at this funeral. Can I just say this this morning as we begin? Our world is a mess. Ladies, will you please come home and help us? We desperately, desperately need you. The world needs you. The church needs you. Our families need you. We have dismissed and lost our way as we have diminished or altered the role of women in this world. God created men and women unique from each other but utterly critical to each other's success, fulfillment, and purpose. Together, Men and women beautifully portray the image of God and fulfill the purposes of God for this world. In God's grand design, he gifted men and women in a complementary way that enables the world to function in harmony and blessing. The world has dismissed God-given biblical femininity for a reduced and twisted version of feminism. In doing so, we are all the worse off as people. The biblical biblical picture of femininity is beautiful and valuable and powerful. But the world has taken and they have defined those things, beauty and value and power. They have defined those things in a way that is twisted and skewed and it has created enormous trouble and difficulty. The world's message about God-given womanhood is If you embrace God-given womanhood, you are inferior. And you need to be different than that. The world's message, if you embrace God-given womanhood, is you are oppressed. And you need to break free from that. The world's message is about God-given womanhood is you are limited. And you need to live independent and seek your way as the highest aim in life. In an article in the Huffington Post, Joanna Hyatt, writing about the mistakes of radical feminism, says, Key architects of the feminist movement like Gloria Steinem equated marriage to prostitution. And Helen Gurley Brown, editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan Magazine, wrote that women should work hard, And have sex, but not children. If you happen to have or ever want children, she went on to say, never waste time feeling guilty. Never agonize too much. And have a lot of paid help at home. And never, ever, ever let your children interfere with your long climb to the top. They say, this is power. This is value. This is beauty. But ladies, I've, dis- I've, I've titled this sermon this morning, There's Something We Need to Tell You. There's something we need to tell you about beauty and value and power. 
Did you know that wherever the gospel spreads, the value of women goes up? John MacArthur said in an article entitled The Biblical Portrait of Woman, says that's always been the trend. Wherever the gospel has spread, the social, legal, and spiritual status of women has, as a rule, been elevated. When the gospel has been eclipsed, whether by repression, false religion, secularism, humanistic philosophy, or spiritual decay within the church, whenever that happens, the status of women has declined accordingly. Did you know that Jesus Christ came to set us free and the truth of who you are in Christ will absolutely set you free? We need to tell you something this morning. Jesus valued women. In, 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 in the time of Jesus, a woman's testimony was valued at half that of a man. So if you had a man witnessing in court, you needed two ladies to balance the man's testimony. Did you know that Jesus chose a woman to be the witness for his resurrection? The first Easter message was proclaimed by somebody. Jesus gave it to a lady who, according to that culture, her testimony was only half of value. That shows you the value Jesus put upon men and women. Amen? Because the gospel elevates and liberates and sets men and women free. In the scripture that I mentioned a moment ago, Proverbs 31, I want to read it, and then I want to tell you, ladies, three very important things that we want you to know, and then we're going to, we're going to bless you in the gates as you leave, which is what the scripture tells us to do. Look at Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 1. The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. So this is a lady's sermon that I'm borrowing this morning. What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. That's quite a lecture from a mother, isn't it? In verse 10, she begins to describe for three verses the general characteristics uh, of a godly woman. And then she talks about specific behaviors in verses 14 through 27. Look at it together. Verse 10, an excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She is like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. With the fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. 
She puts her hand to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all of her household are clothed in scarlet. It's not particularly a color there. It's talking about a double-lined wool piece. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. And this is what her husband says. And guys, let me give you a memorization homework assignment. Verse 29 is a quote from King, King Lemuel's mother is giving him a quote of a smart husband. Verse 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Guys, that was a great time to say amen right there. You need to take that home with you. I am giving you a free, I'm teeing this up for you on a big, tall tee, all right? And you can knock it out of the park with that one. Verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Our culture has a systematic communication to ladies today that needs to be combated with our God-given purpose, power, and influence. We are getting all sorts of messages. Ladies, you are getting all sorts of messages from our culture that create pressure to conform to a cultural mold. So ladies, there are a couple things we need to tell you and you need to hear from us this morning. Uh, First of all, let me say, I know Mother's Day is a challenge for some for a host of reasons. And I want all of you ladies right now just to take a deep breath and relax, okay? I'm not stupid enough to try to tell you how to be a lady, all right? I want you to relax, but this is what we want to tell you, and we're going to reinforce it as we leave. First of all, you are powerful. I don't need to tell you that. You know that. Your husband knows that. Your kids and grandkids know that. Your friends and neighbors know that. But you need to hear this. In verses 1 through 9, we read about this lady who is talking to her son, who is a king. And I I don't need to tell you this, but you are raising up mighty men and women to be leaders for God. In the opening verses of this passage, we're given the words of this mother who shared, listen, who shared truth with her son who became a king. King Lemuel is a mysterious figure. We don't really know who he was. What we do know is he appears in Proverbs chapter 31 verse 1. He appears in Proverbs chapter 31, verse 4, and that is it. You can look it up. You can study it. Scholars sort of are all over the map. Perhaps he was an alias sort of that Solomon was using for himself. Perhaps it was some other king, a later time, whatever. We don't really know. Some ancient rabbis believe that it was King Solomon because there's another word similar to Lemuel that appears in the Old Testament referring to Solomon and that perhaps King Lemuel was actually Solomon. 
there's pretty decent evidence that that might be the case. That means that the lady speaking to him was Bathsheba. Think about that for a moment. Think that perhaps Bathsheba is the one standing, speaking to her son. What we do know is the name Lenuel means a king for God, a leader for God. This world needs influence from women who can raise young men and women to become influencers for God. These ancient rabbis identified Lemuel with Solomon and relate. Listen, this is just a story. We don't, this, is just, this is extra biblical information. But ancient rabbis relate that uh, on the day of the dedication of the temple, he married Pharaoh's daughter. He drank too much at the wedding feast and slept until the fourth hour of the next day with the keys of the temple under his pillow, whereupon his mother Bathsheba enters into his room and reproves him with this chapter. That's an interesting picture, isn't it? Can you imagine Bathsheba kicking in the door of her son, saying, what are you doing in bed at 10 o'clock in the morning? You stayed up too late. It, 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 is, it, is, it is of, at least, it is of relevance, the conversation that she had in those first few verses. Her powerful influence in his life. This is the powerful influence of the mother. She said, listen, son, I want to teach you three things. I want to teach you purity and sobriety and equality. She says that purity is the character of the mighty. Do not give your strength to women or your ways to those who destroy kings. Solomon, Lemuel, if you want to be a mighty person of influence, purity is the path of the leader who belongs to God. Where did he learn that? He learned that from his mother. Purity is the path of influence. It is the path of the leader who belongs to God and will have influence. Secondly, that sobriety is the life of the decision maker. She goes on to say to her son. Now, I can't, since I read that, I can't get the picture out of my mind of Bathsheba standing at the foot of his bed saying, Solomon, what were you doing last night? Don't you know you're the king? Don't you give yourself to women. You will destroy your leadership. You will destroy your character. Secondly, she says, Solomon, strong drink is not for decision makers. Give strong drink to those who are in distress, those who are dying, those that need medicine. You're a decision maker. She's teaching him purity and sobriety. And she's teaching him equality. In verse number 8 and 9, she says, open your mouth for the mute. For the rights of all who are destitute, open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We don't know exactly who Lemuel was. We know he was a king, and here's what else we know. We know that his power, the powerful influence of his mother directed his life. Ladies, you are powerful. Can you please come home from the conference? We desperately need you in this world. Amen? Amen. You see, the world defines power different. The world defines power different. The world says you are powerful when you are independent. Did you know there's more power? There's more power in influence than there is in independence. I'm going to say that again. There's more power in influence than there is in independence. There is You can run off, do your own thing, climb your own ladder, achieve your own goals, but at the end of the day, it's just you. Or you can whisper into the ear of a child, purity and sobriety 
and equality and other truths. And that child will grow up and make a difference in this world. You see, the world defines power one way. The Bible defines power another way. And ladies, we want you to know something. Moms, grandma, sisters, daughters, you're powerful. You're powerful when you use your influence for the glory of God. We need you to know we need you to know that your pure ordinary instruction will produce mighty leaders for God. Secondly, we need you to know you are valuable. In verses 10 through 27, this mother of the king begins to describe the characteristics in a in a lady that are as she described them They are more precious than jewels. Here are the characteristics that she gives. God created you and you live out for for you to live out the purpose for your life. And when you do that, you are extremely valuable. Did you know that the world has decided, the world has decided this is what value looks like in a lady? This is what value looks like in a lady. And so the pressures to conform to the cultural mold of the world is, is, is enormous in the lives of women today. As a matter of fact, this mother says something about the characteristics of womanhood that are hard to believe dating all the way to the time of this writing. The first thing she says that are hard to believe is she says that these characteristics are rare. Now, we have this thing in our head that says, you know, things are a mess today. But 500 years ago, everybody was perfect. Or in this case, 3,000 years ago, everybody was perfect. All mothers were perfect. All children were well-behaved and disciplined. Everything was perfect 3,000 years ago. Did you know what this mother of the king said 3,000 years ago? She said, listen, son, here are rare, precious, rare characteristics of a lady Tells us This tells us that Satan has been attacking biblical womanhood from the very beginning. Amen? Listen, listen. What we really need is we need the Word of God to form and shape both men and women so that we can live out the biblical purposes that God has created. When we do that, the family will begin to come back together. The culture will begin to come back together. The way we're doing it is not working. If an ancient mother teaching her son about life and femininity has to say, Son, here are the characteristics of a woman as God created her. Find these and treasure them. Remember, these are not the words of a man. These are the words of a mother who is teaching her son, a king, about his own life. The characteristics listed in this passage by this mother of a king are impressive. Here they are. Number one, she says, a woman is strong. A virtuous wife. That word is a word that means strength or courageous. In verse number 10, in verse number 17, she goes on to say she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. I don't know that that has anything to do with planet fitness, but who knows? Again, I want you to imagine, we're dealing with with a 3,000-year-old piece of literature. And we got this idea that biblical, biblical definitions of women are, are antiquated and outdated and women are barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, in the Bible. I want you to follow this this morning. She is strong. Secondly, she is trustworthy. In verse 11 and 12, said her, heart's, her husband's heart safely trusts in her. She does him good all the days of his life. She is diligent. 
Verses 13 and 15 talk about her taking her own raw materials, not going to Joanne Fabric, but to go and get her own sheep, shear her own sheep. No pressure there, ladies. I just threw that one out. You go to Joanne Fabric. She's smart. She's, she's an economist. In verses 14 and 16, she considers a field and buys it. That's not a picture we often think of when we talk about l- biblical womanhood. She's, she's not barefoot and pregnant at home. She's at the real estate office making a deal on a piece of property. She can, amen, all you real estate agents. We got a room full of real estate agents here. She's efficient. Verse 15, she works into the night. She is frugal, verses 18 and 19. She is generous, verse 20. She opens her hand to the poor. She's compassionate, and she reaches out her hand to the needy. She is prepared. She's not worried about winter. She laughs at the future is a, is a phrase that's in this. It means she's not anxious. She's prepared, and she is wise, Verse 26 and 27, she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. And best of all, and this is a really good place, guys, to say amen, she makes her husband look good. Interesting interesting thread throughout this passage is that this lady is a real person of ingenuity and creativity. And sustenance. She looks after her husband. She does him good all the days of his life. She sets him up for success. It says her husband is known in the gates. And what is inferred there is because of her. How many of you know that if it wasn't for that smart, beautiful, gracious, intelligent, designing lady who knows how to dress people, you wouldn't look very good in more ways than one. This is the picture that this mother gives to her son. Did you know the characteristics mentioned in these verses? I call them vanishing values. Vanishing values in our world today. Vanishing values where a woman cares more about the well-being of her household than she does her career. That's a vanishing value. A vanishing value is a woman who knows her work elevates others as much as herself. It's a vanishing value. A vanishing value that a woman knows that if you want to rule the world well, you begin by rocking the cradle well. Abraham Lincoln made that statement, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. There's more power to rule the world in the truths you whisper in the ear of a child than any opinion you ever speak into a microphone. (laughs) Ladies, you're valuable. We need you in culture. We need you in church. We need you at home. We need you in education. You're so, so, so valuable. The world says you're valuable. And usually it's it's counter- to the very things I've just listed. You're valuable if you elevate yourself. You're valuable if you promote your own life. You're valuable if you're independent and free. It's why abortion is such an issue. 
at the heart and soul of abortion. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not about, the, 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 we're, we're arguing two separate issues on the issue. On the one hand, we're arguing that that's a baby, that's a life, and that we need to protect it. And I agree with that 100%. I'm not afraid to say it in public, by the way. And Eastlake stands unashamedly with pro-life causes. But they don't want to argue life. They want to argue freedom, independence, power. And they think that sets them free. Did you know, I said this earlier, there's more power and influence than there is in independence? Did you know John Wesley and Charles Wesley? You've You've heard those names. Everybody here can quote Charles Wesley. Everybody here has been affected in some way by John Wesley. Did you know you can quote Charles Wesley? I'll give a, anybody here that can't quote Charles Wesley, I'll give a $100 bill to. I don't have any $100 bills on me. You can quote Charles Wesley, Anthony. I promise you, I promise you can quote Charles Wesley. Hark the herald angels sing. Anybody ever heard that? And 3,000 other hymns of dynam, dynamic power and influence. And can it be that I should gain an entrance into my Savior's love, he wrote. And you want to know why John Wesley and Charles Wesley were so powerful? Because of their mother, Susanna Wesley, who spent an hour a day whispering the truths of God in their heart and their life. And those young men literally blazed across Europe and blazed across America, creating revival like wildfire, changing culture, changing society because their mother knew there was more power and influence than there was in independence. Listen, ladies, you're powerful and you're so, so valuable. I close with this. You need to know this morning you're beautiful. In the final verses of this chapter, King Lemuel's mother describes to him and us a true picture of beauty. You see, the world has a picture of power, the world has a picture of value. And the world has a picture of beauty. And the pressure, there's no place in the life of a lady more intense than this in our culture today. With technology as rampant as it is, the pressure is on to be beautiful as the world defines beautiful. And I'm just going to stop right here and throw this in for free. We're not going to take another offering for it or anything. It's totally free. But guys, we have a responsibility to help our wives and to adore our wives in the area where God counts beauty, not the area that Hollywood counts beauty. This is what the, this is what the mother told her son. In verses 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. He tells her, many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. And then the writer says, charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. She, this, this woman tells her son that every woman who nurtures her children is beautiful. Every woman. Every woman who invests in her husband is beautiful. And every woman who trusts in the Lord is beautiful. And so we have some work to do this morning. You see, every day on social media, every day on television, the world says, this is power, this is value, this is beauty. This is power, this is value, this is beauty. 
And we're just here to tell you, ladies, thank you for being powerful, valuable, and beautiful in the ways that matter most. Amen. Kids, you need to look your mother in the eye today and tell her you love her and to thank her for being powerful and valuable and beautiful in the ways that matter most. Dads, husbands, as I told you earlier, you need to memorize verse 29. And you need to tell her she's better than any other lady. I've said this in all three services. I'm going to say it again. Somebody's mind just got hung up there for a second, and you thought to yourself, well, she's not better in this way. Oh, stop it right now, or I will get a mirror out right now. Turn that mirror around on you. Dude, compared to what you deserve, she is way, way, way better. Amen? Amen. That was a good time for the ladies to say amen right there. And we need to praise you in the gates. So when you leave this morning, we've engaged with some precious young people who are wearing tuxedo shirts and bow ties and beautiful dresses. And ladies, every lady, we want, we want to look you in the eye and we want to tell you how beautiful, how powerful, and how valuable you are. Because we need a mighty army of men and women. A mighty army of women, let me say to rise up in this day, rise up in this culture. If you have little babies at home, we need men, women who will, who will influence those babies for Jesus. If you're middle-aged, we need women who will influence other young women in other places, in schools, and church, and in our We need that. If you're a lady of experience and age, we need your wisdom. We need your input. We need your influence. Oh, the world's screaming power, value, and beauty. And we need to counter that with the word of God saying, this is power, this is value, this is beauty. Amen? So would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to do the one thing that, pastor, that people hate when they go to church. I'm going to make everybody awkward. But it's a good awkward. You, if, if this makes you awkward, I have accomplished my task today. If your wife or your mother or your daughter is nearby, I want you to reach out, put your arm around her. Honey bun, come here. And I want you to tell her how beautiful and powerful and valuable she is. And then I want you to pray for her. I want you to pray for her. They're going to turn my mic off, and I'm going to pray for her. But you're going to pray for her, all right? If, it, if there's somebody close to you that's by themselves, a lady, would somebody please and just incorporate them into your group? Would you do that? Just, just incorporate them. Let's pray together. Shut my mic off, guys.
just thank you this morning. We thank you this morning for these beautiful ladies that are here with us. And I'm praying for each one. Would you strengthen the weak? Comfort those who are hurting. Give direction to those who are confused and fearful, questioning. Lord, there's ladies in our church whose, whose husbands are really struggling, and I pray for them. There's ladies in our church, Lord, whose children are young, and the pressures of that are enormous at this stage of life. Help them to realize that, Lord, they may just be raising the next king, the next queen, the next mighty leader for God. And I pray that you would you would inspire us by your Holy Spirit, enable us by your grace to do the work that you've called us to. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. We love you. You're valuable, you're powerful, and you're beautiful. God bless you. You're dismissed.